I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi guys, welcome to Adulting. This is a podcast where we try to work out all the things we're supposed to know when we're supposedly grown up, but I don't really feel that grown up yet, even though I'm 24. And today I'm joined by Kojo. Hey. Hey. Good? <laughs> good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Still a bit hungover. Yeah, but... I know. We're both nursing <laughs> slight hangovers, um, but it's fine. We'll get to it. Party adulting experience. Yeah, exactly. So, so true. <laughs> how cool are we that it's like 11-11 and we're up, out, and hungover? Okay. That is hashtag adulting for sure. Um, so I got Kojo to send me over a little bio just so that I, and it's amazing. I'm actually just going to read it all out because it's really cool. So Kojo Apiej, mm-hmm. is that right? The Human is an experimental writer, poet, and social activist working for the housing and homelessness charity Shelter as a campaigner. Kojo mobilizes and organizes the public to help tackle the housing crisis faced by millions across the country in various forms. Having experienced sofa surfing for months on end, Kojo's work in housing is rooted in a deeply personal and emotional place. Outside of his work at Shelter, he produces his own podcast called Outliers X, need to listen to that, which discusses the weird and wonderful topics of fringe culture, a thriving monthly poetry night in Covent Gardens, London, called Pengting Poetry. He can often be found in a corner somewhere coding, reading, or writing about the awkward idiosyncrasy of what a great word of life. That is a really good word, yeah. And what it fundamentally means to be a human on this little ball of dirt and water that we call home. I love that last bit. That's so cute. Little ball of dirt and water. I'm actually going to... I wrote that... As you asked me for a bio, I was like, shit, I need a bio. (laughs) And then wrote it, like, at work. I think I'm going to start using that more often. Yeah, I think you should. You just had that your tagline and all your emails. Yeah. And then Robert Lamb says, So basically, one of the things that I want to, like, talk to Kojo about is part of growing up, obviously, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, will have felt like growing up is all about kind of spreading your wings and becoming independent. But for quite a few people, you don't have that starting place where you've got a home above you, you've got food, you've got shelter, and you've got all of those basic necessities. So we kind of wanted to figure out what it's like growing up when actually your starting point is really different from other people in society and how important it is for us, those people who haven't had these um, situations, to understand our privilege in that place, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to, like, what's your experience? Yeah. Um, okay, so my experience, I'm, like, I've, privilege is always an interesting concept because mm. I mean, I, I'm always weary about getting into um, sort of the oppression Olympic side of it where, like, I've dealt with my own issues and compared to other people who've dealt with their own issues and various... There's always kind of levels to it, but everyone kind of into, has deals with it quite quite differently. Um, so from where I was born, I mean, I, I was born in, like, to a working-class family, um had a home over my head for most of my life um, and that was fine you don't really you don't I didn't really notice anything um, sort of negative coming from that as yeah. a child everything just felt perfect I mean you, you have nothing to compare it to yeah. so like this is just the standard um, I think I didn't really realise uh, my own um, it's just how how difficult things were 
for myself and my family until uh, about 2015 when we lost our home mm. and um, ended up in temporary accommodation and I was uh, staying on my grand's couch and my auntie's couch and in spare rooms and different things like that where it hit me that how important it is to have a home mm. in, in that way um, I I was self-serving for about maybe four four actually that's like from March of 2016 to November of 2016 which is when I officially got my first job at like first career like yeah. I had a job at Shelter and was able to actually like start renting a place for myself and, so how old were you when I was 24 okay same with me yeah yeah, yeah yeah I was 24 and um and I think the most the most difficult part of that experience was really trying to I mean have you heard like Manzo's hierarchy of needs no tell me oh man I don't wanna I don't wanna butcher this but basically it's a, mm-hmm. it's a psychological principle about um to achieve our for for human to achieve their fundamental potential and to be like happy in quotations yeah. there's a certain hierarchy of things which need to be met before that happiness can be achieved right um, right at the bottom is basically what we all need which is sort of food shelter security like that's the basic basic thing basic things people yeah. need and then above that you have like social needs of like social interaction and you have uh things like um i don't know you feel fulfilled or just just other like a step yeah towards that, that happiness but the fact that at the bottom of what we fundamentally need is like shelter security food safety kind of stuff um so for me not to have one of those fundamental blocks yeah was it it, it fundamentally flips your entire life and actually like, i feel extremely just uh, gratefully in a way that I wasn't homeless homeless up on the street I think a lot of people think homelessness is just street homelessness when it's, it's much more than that mm. um, and I wasn't I wasn't on the street I was, like I said I was, I was sofa surfing I had a roof over my head the entire time but because it wasn't a stable environment that it, it took up the bulk of my energy and time at that at that period it was difficult to deal with I think that's really interesting when I met with Becky also works for Shelter Watch she was explaining to me she was like what people don't realise is that you know people sometimes might see someone who they think is homeless and they're like oh they definitely live somewhere yeah. that's not the same as having a home like having a house and having a home are two really different, different things different. and like you're a very normal guy just meet you in day to day life and probably like make fans and think yeah. it's completely normal I would never under- never realise coming from my privileged position that you could have been in a place where you literally feel like you don't have anywhere to go yeah and that would be so unsettling. And I think what we appreciate is people understand homelessness when they see it on the street, but they don't realise that to be at risk of homelessness, I think it's, you just have to be spending more than 40% of your income, isn't it, on your yeah, rent? Yeah. And that puts you at risk of homelessness, which is lots of people who worked in like public sector jobs, so like nurses, teachers, etc. It's It's a massive problem that doesn't just affect these people in society that we think are other, because it's not an othering thing. It isn't. It can happen to anyone. Yeah, I think that's... that's, that's you, you never believe it will happen to you until it actually does until yeah. you know someone who, who like until you personally know someone who's connected to you I think there's this, there is that sense of othering of oh it's those people or is that there's a certain type of person really it can be anyone yeah. at any time I think um, at Shelter we've done like one of our campaigns we were running was um, to, uh, was really to tackle some of the stigma around welfare and just some of the some of the interviews and, and just general sentiments we, we and, and conversations we had with people across the country, I think there's a there's a sense that welfare or benefits is, is commonly looked at as being like a 
people see it as the deserving and undeserving. So, or people more see it as as a system which is abused and mm. the scroungers are on, on benefits and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, like the person, the stereotypical person, like twenty one kids or something like that, yeah. like taking money from the state. Um, which is, I mean, I'm not going to come and say that that doesn't exist, but it's in terms of like there are so many people who who need it, yeah, who need it, and are are receiving it and work extraordinarily hard and work multiple jobs and um people who, who just use it to keep afloat but i was, I was just yeah working supremely hard and um, don't get the coverage that 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 that, that they need really. it's a really weird thing in the media like with this victim blaming things it happens also with like um victims of rape they'll mm. always kind of there's always this argument that like oh the women make it up or yeah. like and actually so. it's i think it was something like not what i'm gonna get this stack completely wrong but it's yeah. the tiniest figure of rape allegations are proved to be false yeah but for some reason that's what I sticks I think it's like 4 out of 100 or something yeah it's something like 4% existing. Yeah, yeah which I think if when we're talking about this it rings exactly the same with this benefits idea it's mm. like oh they're taking our money and it's just the oppressor yeah. like in the situation if it is a, a, a man raping a woman that the, the male oppressor with the privilege is the one going no it's not me and the wealthy people are saying oh we don't want to give our money away and it's yeah. we really need to change this idea of like entitlement yeah and, and like why people don't want to pay taxes is beyond me like this kind of idea that we so, we need to like hoard money yeah it's so weird it's strange i think about this a lot because i, I really i'm 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 wondering like how how do you even tackle that i feel like is 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 a fundamental issue in just a the monetary like capitalist system yeah in, which capitalism. rewards which rewards like greed mm. so people don't want to give and uh, I don't. <laughs> I was like, okay, so if we, if, if that's the issue, I'm thinking, okay, how do we change that? How do we change yeah. entitlement? And I, I, I still don't know. I, I don't. I think it's really difficult. I think like in the really top echelons of society where people are really super privileged, that's yeah. going to be hard to tackle. But what we need to do is, and I noticed you said it in your your bio, like human. We need to humanize people. Mm. Like I think the, it starts at like I've said this before on the podcast, but you know, on the tube when they play that thing, like beggars and buskers are operating on this pe- tube. Please don't. Getting, yeah. And I'm like, they yeah. are not. They, they, the yeah. tree's been like you're not human everyone sat there on their 700 pound iphone and won't look up that idea they put things on park benches to stop people being able to sleep how are we as as like just general humans also everything is luck i happen to be born into a family that Mm. happened to give me Mm. certain things i didn't deserve this there's no reason that i've got it other than like luck yeah so we need to start looking at everyone and realizing that someone's had some really shit luck someone's had some good luck homeless people on the street and homeless people in any kind of situation are not they're the same as you I yeah. think that's where it needs to start it's just being more um, empathetic yeah. and just realising that we're all on the same page I don't yeah. know it's so yeah, hard yeah it's just very tricky I think you hit the nail on the head with the whole making it we need to make we need to make humans more human like yeah. in, in a way um, and just, just going about about doing that is um, is an interesting one because I feel like the the people who like who are really brought into this issue who already understand that it's just it comes down to luck you, mm. at the end of the day you see someone begging you can understand that like, and we're all a few bad decisions away or a few unfortunate yeah. decisions away from ending up in the same place kind of thing but is that but whilst we recognise that there's a, a large portion of society who just who see it as oh they made that choice they put themselves there they can pull themselves up by the bootstrap and is that which is really archaic mentality if yeah. I think don't, I don't want to demonise anyone but like the baby boomer generation or yeah. like generation before um, the pre-war generation who see like that 
hard graft or you can work yourselves out of these issues which to be honest you can work yourself out of out of many issues but not everything fits into that no. box of pull yourself up of pull yourself especially up when it's it's a structural thing so if you're put in a position where structurally you actually can't even get to the place where you could get a job and, sure. and also when people see people on the street who maybe look like they, they're inebriated they're taking drugs or whatever mm. they're like oh that's why they're there a lot of the time people on the streets are drinking and taking drugs because they live on the freaking like, street exactly you, you, you live on the street I mean at the what, end of the day people who don't what? live on the streets take drugs and drink so yeah. like why would you not do it if you're on the freaking I don't understand that mentality I find that so weird it, so it's obviously really you're strange. gonna want to try and elevate your situation yeah. in any way you can like I this is something that, like an issue I've dealt with is uh, what, a working in for for a housing charity of okay so I'm I'm doing this to help people that might be on the street or people who need houses and whatnot so I'm, yeah. I'm helping in a way and I spoke to a colleague about whether we should be giving money to homeless people on the street because um they might just go and spend it on drugs or drinking yeah. or whatnot. Like, are we making the situation worse is really what I was driving at. And then I think she made a really good point where she was like, at the end of the day, if you're on the street, you're on the street. Yeah. Like you, if your life's a bit shit and you want to, you want to drink the pain away or whatnot, or you want to, it's your money that like you should, you should, it's not up to me to then make that decision and say, yeah. and to judge you and say, okay, you shouldn't do this because like, I'm, I'm here with a hangover. Like I was drinking for, no, for like absolutely no exactly. reason. I'm not perfect. And it's wrong for, for me, like we talk about privilege a lot to come in a certain position of, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. So I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. judge you in this way. Um, one, what I think you mentioned a point about, um, uh, it was, I think it was about how we view how we view people in certain like difficult situations yeah. or, or really understanding that like an unfortunate situation can lead you to where you are or not and um, when I was living in temporary accommodation uh, like a, a really shitty hostel with my mum and my brother uh, back in 2016 for uh, about two months um, like I had to number one the room was probably smaller than this, than this living room now and it's for the three of us we had a bunk bed and a, and a double bed a chest of drawers um, a table which was constantly leaning the floor was uneven mm-hmm. uh, a bar stool which had the, uh, the 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 cushion peeling off it it was and a wardrobe which fell and <sighs> narrowly missed my mum oh my it just wasn't a nice place but yeah. and um, that general building was shared by about 15 other other groups of people some single men with drug issues some families with four kids it's was it um how did you was that you were paying to stay in the hostel yeah you have to pay it was like uh you pay like a a reduced sum is it for is it for people who have housing issues yes right yeah yeah it's only for people with housing issues um so you can basically everyone every every everyone we we spoke about how like anyone can be a few steps away from being in in like a difficult situation everyone is in those sort of places and it's not great to to like to be a single mum raising a child mm. and then have to deal with someone who actively has drug issues and maybe like a violent history and stuff yeah. like that and not saying anything's wrong with that person but those two groups necessarily shouldn't be in that same environment all the time and that's just one yeah. still not one hostel this is all across the country mm. um so i had to watch like my brother during that time like revise for his sats and his exams on the table and listen to like the neighbor screaming and and all sorts going on at the time and me me just watching him go through that was difficult because i already knew how difficult it was for me to process like as an adult something and as a child what is that really doing to him um to revise for exams yeah. and then now if we say we jump to now like imagine how someone in a really difficult situation now could have been affected by things like that in their past but obviously we don't see that we don't it's understand so this and we don't we don't know what they've gone through but that's that's one thing which is kind of it, it put me in the mindset of okay let's 
let's let's take a step back and 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 give people the benefit of the doubt and oh, 100%. You know I mean? so. but yeah you're so right you never really think about that because the other thing is i think the homelessness that we're affronted with often are the people who are maybe um intoxicated and we don't generally see the single mothers or yeah. women yeah. and things because they don't generally probably put themselves on the streets no, and uh, in other situations and i think that's where because as a society we do deem people that look a certain way as other we then can really easily kind of separate ourselves from well, they're homeless and yeah. we're not and they're different whereas I think if we could see people like your mum and you and really get like humanise it and I know it shouldn't take that to make it a difference yeah. but it does unfortunately a lot of the time we have to be able to assimilate or see ourselves in someone to yeah. be able to feel that empathy and yeah. recognise that actually that could be anyone yeah I think that's one thing Shah tries to do with a lot of our, our campaigns is um when we're launching a campaign, when we're pushing like a certain uh, like a, a general campaign to change the government's policy or something along those lines, we always try and put our service users or just people just people at the forefront of the campaign. Yeah. So we try to try to really show how um, it's not always the sharpest end. It's not always the person who uh, has had the hardest issue yeah. in, in, in like to deal with in life because at the end they um, there are millions of people dealing with housing issues across the country and. Um, we all, we all, so we all relate to um, we all relate to each other. So it's important to kind of show those stories and say like you aren't the only person experiencing yeah. this, and to make those stories believable and realistic. We're not going to show like, like we're not going to show the hardest, hardest hitting story because that's the most emotionally grabbing. But we show no, this is a common thing, and this person yeah. who also experienced. Uh, housing issues just like you and really trying to put those stories at the forefront and humanise them I think there's a really other like the whole other side of it is shame I think like there's so many people probably in society who have really normal jobs and like literally killing themselves to be able to afford their rent but it's like seen as kind of embarrassing to not be able to get by and and I don't know if that's the kind of bourgeois culture is made worse by social media and and flashiness and everyone kind of having this like aspirational idea to be like living your best life and I don't know if that pressure means that people then are also this capitalist idea makes you want to have more and then you're just struggling to even like you said you're not fundamentally providing those happiness those relationships and just the real things that matter rather than a new top or whatever it is do you know what I mean yeah the idea of shame is interesting to me because that's one thing I I dealt with as well is is it's only recently I've become comfortable kind of talking about the experience at the time I told nobody no one not like my best friend or anyone I, I just I lied about how we ended up in that situation. Even now, I'm not completely comfortable talking about yeah. the entire story, but there's a sense of shame, and I'm, now I'm just thinking about where that comes from. Um, like it is, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird one. Well, I think it's probably a little bit in the narrative of the way that we say that you're supposed to have. Like even even when I was younger, I think if like my parents had an argument, I'd be like embarrassed about that because mm. you're told that you're supposed to have this perfect family, mm. everyone's supposed to get on, you're supposed to have a, dream, and yeah. yeah, I think it's in literature, I think it's in films, I think everything that you see isn't dysfunctional, it's perfect. So I'm not surprised as a child, especially when every book you read is Goldilocks or whatever. You know, it's all about yeah. having a home, having a family. So no wonder as a kid, or like even not like you aren't a kid, but being younger, yeah. you're assimilating information like. This is like this isn't what it's meant to be. Yeah, you've never I mean, been told anything else. The fun thing about that is though, in all those stories, they all the main characters always went through a really tough time. Yeah, situation. you're right. Actually, Same situation. It ended up happy. You always end up. You always get a happy ending. In yeah, the end. but they always went through a really tough time. And I think maybe this just comes from from the whole like as a human, we can only we really only see the present and the past. We can't really see the future. You don't see yeah. the entire journey ahead of you. So whilst you may get the happy ending, as far as you know right now the present is the ending and this is a shit situation so you can only judge it based on that because I'm just yeah I'm just wondering like all those stories they all all the characters all all end up in a real like Cinderella um, 
was being abused and, and whatnot. Yeah. Actually, random. I heard I heard the original Cinderella story was a lot darker than the Disney. Oh one. yeah, uh, yeah. This. No, I haven't heard what happens, but I, I've heard someone say that time ago. It was all I know is um, the I think the stepsisters or when they were looking for Cinderella with the glass slipper and they're trying to slip her on different people to see if it was her or see if it was a princess or what I, I can't remember the story yeah. that they were chopping off people's feet <gasps> if to, it didn't yeah, oh my god it, fit in or something. it was dark like really dark. So, you know you said that it's so true because it's like Sleeping Beauty is really dark as well yeah even that hands that Jack and Jill felt like Jack and Jill fell down oh, the door yeah. and then got really like they broke his crown and uh, anyway so it's around yeah, the that's true. Okay, so maybe my <laughs> point is a bit redundant about the happy family. <laughs> you not, just not, got that completely wrong. Yeah, but not at all. But it's, it's, it's an interesting idea of like still of, of trying to unpack where we had this idea that everything should be um, everything should be great and we should, we're not allowed to experience rough times because there's a there's a fundamental like cloud of shame which comes yeah. with especially housing issues especially the idea that you should be able to provide for yourself and at at the time I felt um, I, well, I was dealing with my own issues but like I can now look back and see just think about how my mum must have been dealing yeah. with it in a sense of of almost failure around that of, of not being able to provide and whatnot and um, and but yeah, and just looking at your peers and seeing that everyone else seems to be handling things things fine. But that's the other funny story. thing, though, because you've got this or not funny, but like the odd thing is that like, you might feel shameful, so you're not telling on. So no one really knows what's going on. Sure, yeah. It's not spoken about. It's yeah. just it, it's a very weird way of kind of like appeasing everyone. Yeah, it's almost like you can't talk about things that are uncomfortable. Yeah, um, and that was like another thing. I think we were going to British thing, if anything. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's like British people feel uncomfortable talking about like what we earn is like in terms of yeah. paychecks or just things which might make someone slightly uncomfortable. It's like you see you see weird things on the train. You're like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't say them. Just keep my head down <laughs> and kind of focus on what I'm focusing on. But yeah, I just, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's a very core part of British culture. Just keep yeah. your head down and mind your business. Yeah, that is well. very true. So. Um, but yeah, another thing we were going to kind of talk about is like growing up, like those growing pains, that self-introspection, learning mm-hmm. who you are in society. Because I definitely, I had this when I suddenly realised about my privilege. Yeah. And it's funny because you get a front and first you're like, this is weird. No, that can't be right. I haven't just been doing this. But you realise that I, I said something before on another podcast, it was like, you're not just your actions, your your inactions as well. So I never thought mm. that I was actively oppressing anyone or actively being racist or actively being homophobic or anything like that. But structurally, the way that my life works, I am kind of, by proxy, doing things that put other people in a shitter situation. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Can you, can you so like, explain a bit? Just by the fact that I might get like ahead of someone else in my career, for instance, because I'm white, because everything in the industry right. is whitewashed, doesn't mean that I'm necessarily better than a friend who's a woman of colour. Yeah. But just, so I need to be platforming more women of colour in order to try and like help people to understand that we need more platforming. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
so by so it wasn't I wasn't doing anything wrong but by proxy of not kind of seeing that my whiteness was allowing me to have more opportunities Mm. that is in of itself still being a little bit oppressive Mm. you know so Mm. it's like that saying equality to the privilege feels like oppression Mm. because you realize that you've actually got to step down and 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 that's a way of helping so that kind of to me was part of my self-introspection and growing pains and realizing like I need to do do more to, be, to feel really comfortable in myself now, yeah. I can't just watch things happen, like even like changing my language, so I won't say things like retard or gay or like stuff that you do yeah, when yeah, I was yeah, younger and yeah, I yeah. thought it was fine. Yeah, and you have to readdress that. Yeah, that's, that's, a really, that's a really interesting point. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of my own, my own growing pains. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, we, when we emailed and I made a point, I, I was a very weird kid growing up. <laughs> Like a really strange kid, I used to dye my hair like I had an afro and I dyed it all red, and I wore, used to wear like a jester hat with bells on it and things like that. I love that. Yeah, it was. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know why. But um, so this is like it's quite different from what, from what no, you're talking okay. about um, about like platforming and, and stuff. But I, I feel like uh, there's a sense of growing up of trying to figure out what your role is in society what mm. as a person being a teenager you're almost in a really tricky space of recognising you're not for A you're not an adult you, you you know that plain and simple but you you understand adult issues or you have some con- yeah. like some understanding of adult issues so you feel like you should be in that space but you can't so um, it's really trying to craft your identity um, that's been a, a while just doing weird weird like shit like I was a, like emo do you remember yeah. the term like emo yeah. I, was, I was like a, a New York kid so I used to be into like a lot of heavy metal and dark stuff and every life was pain and everything well not really but that's the kind of mentality you walk around with um i spent a lot of time just trying to figure out okay what what is my role what kind of person i want to be yeah. kind of identities i want to craft for myself and um it's it's interesting being now reflecting on that seeing that a lot of other teenagers and a lot of people and that were doing kind of really yeah. similar things and, and i mean you look back now at like your, your pictures from back then you're like oh what the fuck yeah. was I doing but it's I think weird. it's funny because when you're a teenager it's like it's, everything is about you it's about like who am I yes. what, and then I think what happens is you start to adult you grow up and you're like oh how is this affecting other people I think that's what it's kind of getting at it's like mm. when I was a teenager it's all about I want everyone to like me I was such an attention seeker like the really annoying one in the class it's always a class clown but I couldn't understand why this was a bad thing I'd be yeah. like why Why are you annoyed I'm doing yeah. this this is so funny yeah. and then now you suddenly I think with that suddenly when you grow up and you look back and you're like oh my god I was such an arsehole yeah. why was I doing that because yeah. I think that's what happens when you grow up you suddenly start to see that actually because when you're a kid that is everything is about you like fundamentally, yeah. fundamentally you're being looked after and suddenly I think what happens is that growing pains that change is just realising that wow actually my actions are can have a consequence not just for me but for other people and yeah. then I guess that elevates again when you have children because yeah. then you suddenly nothing is about you Ooh. yeah do you remember the moment where you began to realise like your actions had consequences or like yeah. you had privilege or anything do you, do you remember no I can't really remember I know that in my last year of uni I really started to kind of um, I got a bit like Think I didn't really like myself. I suddenly was like, "Who am I? What am I doing?" I was yeah. like, "I was in a relationship that didn't really work," and I suddenly got like, "It really hurt." But I like started writing a diary about all the things that I did, and like, if I had an argument with someone, or if I said something, and I was like, "Why am I being so negative?" Mm. And I kind of made an active choice, and it was like painful. It was the weirdest thing. It like really, it really like hurt. <laughs> it's really difficult. Like I just saw myself and was like, "What are you doing? Like, mm. You need to change the way you look." I would get upset about things and like be really negative and brave, like feel like I was a victim and I wasn't mm. I was just 
making everything about myself and I suddenly realised that I need to stop kind of victim blaming and yeah. from then I felt so positive and life's been so much better yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. funny though it took that kind of time to really see yeah you almost have to go through the worst parts of it to come out the other side better I mean it's come down to that cliche phrase always darkest before the dawn and yeah. you have to see what blah 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 um, but yeah no, I, just, I just always find it interesting kind of um, that period of growth usually comes through the times when you feel the worst yeah and for sure you can sort of reflect on it and say, you know what, I want to do something slightly different. And um and then you just kinda of rock it on from their point that point on. Yeah. Yeah. So I just find that, that interesting. No, it is interesting and it's but then the other thing is so like again I'm talking about this but it's all very like conceptual and easy and I don't have for one, I don't have any mental health issues or like any mental illness. So for me I could go through a patch where I felt like I was a bit down and then mm-hmm. come out the other side and be absolutely fine. Um but what and also I have those it makes so much sense now you talked about that what was that level thing called um, Maslow's hierarchy yeah now that makes so much sense because I've yeah. never had any issues with where I'm going to live yeah. that's done I know that I've got security from my family fine yeah. so obviously I'm only ever really fiddling with that top bit which is like whatever the most superfluous thing on the yeah. top of that triangle is yeah. so I'm probably always going to be able to bounce back yeah. and I think understanding that lots of people like as you say that bottom rung can actually be taken out really easily you don't know you could like if someone could be paid really well and they make a bad business decision and then lose their job that could be them but also prob- you don't normally see what well, I find interesting with homelessness sorry just going off a tangent yeah. you don't normally see someone who looks like they've just become homeless do you mm. know what I mean it almost seems like they're a seasoned yeah. street lover yeah it does it's only yesterday or two days ago where I I thought I saw somebody who just became homeless and, and I was able to kind of deduce that because they had so many bags and suitcases oh, right, and things yeah. beside them but like you said like looking at them they were sleeping I'm not going to like judge them but looking at them they were um, like the clothes they were wearing made them seem like they'd been on the street for a while but they had so much stuff and I'm thinking like yeah it's that's 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 just just when it hit me that day. I was like, wait, I don't think you you've ever really seen someone who's just become no. uh, homeless. And I think a lot of the, I mean, it goes back to the idea of shame. I think once you do, you're you're often trying to uh, to hide and to yeah. not make it seem so obvious. And, and, and then eventually, once you because you also it is dehumanizing because dehumanizing. that's so true. Like it's probably only you're only comfortable being on the streets really when you got to that point of such desperation where you're like, I actually need to. Which is why when people are like oh, you reach a point like fuck it, yeah. And you know when yeah. people are like oh they're begging they're probably like earning money they've probably got a house. It's like you even if they've mm. got a massive house down the road, I don't need to sit on the street and beg to earn money. Yeah. So if they feel like they have to do that, which can't be enjoyable for anyone, Absolutely. and you can't have like lots of friends and family because people would reckon do you know so you yeah. must be really displaced from society to be able to do that yeah. or be in such a dark place and I've just realised a bit of prejudice that I've had myself like if someone comes up to me as a, as a, um, a beggar or begging and they're wearing really new clothes in my head I'm You're like, like nah, I'm no they're not homeless penny, yeah. but I've just realised how do I know they haven't literally just just come onto the streets or someone's bought them like how what how does that make look, any sense feeling like you have to look the part of yeah so maybe that's the other reason why they've done that because people don't yeah, give them anything yeah, if they've yeah, got yeah, new clothes true. on I, I, I've spoken to um, so many homeless people who talk about how how no one speaks to them how yeah that, yeah the, the whole dehumanising thing is um, is is interesting because like if I can't give money, I thought. I, let, me, let me at least ask you how Have you're doing. Yeah, yeah, see, I how, do see how you do. The other day, I went and brought. Uh, I was I was on the way to go and see my grandma, um, and I stopped by. It was, it was really hot. Like it's one of the, definitely one of the hottest days we've had um, of this heat wave. And I went to Sainsbury's and saw 
a homeless guy that was just like sitting outside went inside bought him um, like a, a bottle of water and, and, and gave it to him and then he looked up and was like oh thank you thank you thank you I was like yeah, I was like, I was yeah. got to kind of conversation how you doing blah 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 and he said this is his birthday today and I was Aww. like oh my god and he, he but then he, he felt really na- you could see like he seemed happy that I gave him the water but he, he, can, he looked really down like what a way to spend mm-hmm. the birthday and it was like I felt yeah, I was like, wow. But he was like, no one, no people don't do these That's, things. This is what I do. I do sit in chat. There's a girl called Karma who I love. Mm. She gets really angry with everyone, but she really likes me. And she's always walking like down the road, like near where I live. Yeah. Every freaking day, I give her a pound. She never remembers. She's like, babe. I'm like, babe, I gave her a pound yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And I stand and chat to her. And I'm like, we've made really good progress. She likes me because I'm smiling. I think she gets quite shouty if people are like. But we were like fair enough. Like why yeah. not? I always just smile at her. So yeah. she'd be like, "All right, babe, all right, all right, babe." She'd give me money. I'm like, "Babe, I literally gave you a pound yesterday, but fine." <laughs> but then other people I see, she gets really annoyed because they're being fucking rude. And do you know what? She should like you should yeah. be able to just. I just don't. And also, London people don't smile anyway. I smile oh, at someone man. on the tube and they got off the next stop. Yeah, like, <laughs> they did on purpose. Like yeah, I, no. yeah. I'm not even joking. Not I'm half Irish, so this is why I'm so friendly to yeah. every, my mum. Literally, is that. Like, on the tube and it's like whoa I like people like that you don't see them enough no. it's nice it's, a, it's, it's like a nice bit of energy I mean in London people are just miserable and depressed so I, mean, I always chat to old people because they'll talk to you and everyone else on the tube will be like enough. what yeah. the hell is she doing I sat yeah. had such a great chat this old guy the other day had a really cool suit on he's telling me how he like loved poetry he's going to see his mates he was so interesting oh, everyone on the tube was sat there as if I'd just done like a massive <laughs> fart or something they're like who is this girl to yeah. go off like, it seems wicky I mean it does it seems like you've got something wrong with you yeah, people are people are strange. I don't know, just London culture and, and uh, just not wanting to instead just wanting to be keep like yeah. to yourself to yourself. But like talking to people, which, I like meeting wacky people. So talking yeah. to people, just people in, in general, with something to say is always interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. But I really wonder, like, if we put in, even if it wasn't like you say, like if we didn't have the money to fund the housing and all the things, if everyone just kind of got together. Imagine if every street was like, like every Friday we're just gonna everyone bring down some food and we're just gonna cook it up and all, everyone who's not got a house. Like, why do yeah. we not do stuff like that? Would just make so much sense. I don't mind that down, but it would. It, like, it, it would just be such an easy. Imagine if there was like a national rule that every Friday everyone had to like bring down thing of beans and just all get like a barbecue like I just don't yeah I don't know why there's so many thing. small little things if collectively you did stuff it would be so much easier yeah you know what I think the reason stuff like that doesn't happen is often due to fear of culpability in, in some way it's like because uh, I mean that would be great if we'd said okay you're not fuck it everyone just bring down food and we'll just prepare food and whatnot yeah. then you get into a whole discussion of oh what about the health standards oh and, yeah what if it's off yeah I mean, granted, that is definitely something worth addressing, but yeah, it's, it's, it is. You just end up on like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be at fault. Yeah. It's not going to do anything. But you're right. That's that stuff should it's happen. So the, the, the other really interesting thing that I spoke to Becky about um, was she was saying how a lot of people think like. So we, I was saying that like if we didn't have to fix the housing problem, but even when the housing, so people are like, oh, they've gone into housing, it's fine. Yeah. She made such an interesting point to me, which I hadn't really thought about. She was like, even if you get a homeless person into housing, if you're like a 40 year old man who's been homeless for like three years and before that you had a career yeah. someone just shoves you in a house and is like live here you're actually going to probably just be like no actually do you know what I don't I, it's so yeah. it takes so much away from you there's a lot of uh, institutionalisation which comes with being homeless especially mm. on the street there's a there's there's a in fact I think there's a few people outside of Shell's head office who are sleeping on the street and people often come and knock on our doors and say like someone just took like your shelter what are you doing and someone just goes to the street sleeping on um, sleeping sleeping rough and um but we we know these people I think Becky Becky's actually the person who who like told me about like their stories and whatnot yeah um and she often goes and talks to them and and um 
the guy and and the guy, often the people there just don't want. No. Like, they're, they're, he's he's very I'm say happy. I don't I don't I can't say. But you, I guess you adjust. Very, yeah, it's you very, adapt. It's very well adapted and very well adjusted, and as it's, it's fine to be in that situation. Um, and I think that, that comes from when you're on the street for years mm. and years at a time. Is is it's not impossible. It becomes very difficult to then, like I said, to put someone in a home and say, okay, yeah. now live here. Because this is, as far as like they, they can see, this is a very new environment. This is something yeah. I'm not used to and this isn't what I'm familiar with. But the with. other weird thing is, so we've structurally, and as people, we other these people, and we're like, this isn't, they're not us. We're not going to speak <coughs> to them. We don't want to give them money. They're, they're yeah. this. And then suddenly you're like, oh, well, we'll fix your problem. But you've spent years kind of conditioning them to believe that they are not the same as you, yeah. that these people are fundamentally not worth your time yeah. but then to fix the problem because most of the issue is a lot of people with privilege are just affronted that they're seeing it they just yeah. don't want to see it because it reminds you probably makes you feel guilty or you're just like do you know what? I don't want that on my street I don't yeah. want that in my borough or whatever so then you can't suddenly have that attitude and then be like oh actually we're just going to make you go in a, you just go in a house now and we'll yeah. pay for it like that is so deep and I think it is this problem that people just don't realise it could be your mum your dad your sister it could be you Anyone. and yeah. you are not going to feel like how comfortable would you feel with feeling like you're kind of like a stray and someone's trying to put mm, you in a box yeah you wouldn't I think so much as well so much of homelessness and housing issues are intrinsically linked to mental health issues mm. um so you can't so we can't just take someone off the street and put them in a the house and say yeah. okay you go home you're fine now because there's a lot of mental health issues which you then need to unpack and to help um, one thing Shelter does, which I'm, which is probably my my favorite part of the job, which I'm not even involved in, I just love hearing about yeah. it, is um, our services uh, often provide um, more than just housing advice. So whilst like people might call up the helpline and Shelter helps like millions of people on the phone and whatnot, there's um we have various hubs or offices across the country where people can go in and have like a more of a one-to-one experience, and then in those experiences they can receive things like DIY help, like learning how oh, to wow. like paint your your house or something like that if you if you're living in a place of bad conditions um there's a huge wealth of shelter service provision dedicated to helping women have experienced domestic abuse issues mm. like so many like one 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 issue um which, I, which wasn't even on my radar i mean to quite privileged but it's when you hear about it, it's like yeah. uh needing to be trained on how or, or taught how to have a bank how to how to yeah, fi- finance, have, like control of your finances because a lot of say women coming from domestic abusive relationships mm. weren't in control of their money and have and then now once you've you have that freedom and have that ability you're like okay i don't know what no. how do you open a bank kind of stuff so shelter provides that kind of help um and obviously like signposting to mental health organization that mind and various things because housing isn't housing is, is never just a housing issue no. it's, it's always much deeper than that whether you're talking about access to employment or you're talking about like mental health issues or you're talking about childcare or, or domestic abuse there's, there's always other paradigms involved in that yeah. and um and i think one thing shell i don't i don't i don't think shell talks about it enough but that's one thing it, that's amazing it's so true it's just like those basic things like that you just forget it's just we go from one it's literally we see the extremes we go like someone who's very like been on the street for ages and we just want to put them in the home and no one's looking at that interim period where it's like how are you going to take someone that's been conditioned to this to change and it's true like how to paint your house or how to do just just basic what we would deem as basic things how to cook an egg it's my like it used to annoy me when I was uh, going to to uni and I lived in certain houses and I had a housemate who didn't know how to boil an egg and it really pissed me off for some reason at the time I don't know why but then but I think that's more because I saw that as laziness but then people out there who like I said who just fundamentally do not never had those basic skills and then 
can maybe take it back to their own uh, their own childhood. Maybe their parents didn't teach them, and it's kind of you reach a point where you're not you're not just going to suddenly get up and start learning how to boil an egg yeah. for a lot of people. The other thing I was thinking about is so random, but I went to get um, a coil, long TMI yesterday, yeah. like a contraception thing. Yeah. And she was like, oh, can you just write your name down on the piece of paper? And I thought to myself, I wonder, what if someone can't write? And then what, would you just, like, leave yeah. that situation? Because the other thing is, like, we're talking about the shame thing. If someone can't do something, a lot of the time people are like, well, why don't you just ask for help? And it's like, that's actually yeah. really embarrassing. In a society where there's certain things you're expected to know how to do, like cook certain foods or how to get the bus or how to write, how yeah. to read. And if you can't read or write or do certain things, which if your parents been homeless and you've been then put in shelter yeah. or you haven't had care, there's so many things where we're not that like society isn't ready to kind of cater for those yeah. those things yeah yeah um and i just it, i just randomly thought about it. i've never really thought about it before i just thought about it yesterday but like, i just wonder if someone mm. couldn't write like what would you do this is why there's such a big push for accessibility and inclusivity in a different way where it's not just about having the capability to help but about proactively trying to reach yeah. out to people because if you don't proactively make the effort is is it's almost it's extremely difficult for someone to say help me Yes. We, we get. We, we, I mean, there's pride and the shame, and there's a feeling of I should be able to do this myself. And 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 if you're not practically trying to reach out to people to help them, then they just won't do it. Yeah. At all, or it just won't be done. And um, I think there's when we talk about power dynamics and and oppression and and, and uh, privilege and everything else. That if you are in a position position of power, you should be making that effort to yeah, to, so to, to, to platform and to help. Yeah. And. Um, yeah. Um, so, in terms of with shout, like, what? How do you? How do we, as a population, like, what's something that everyone can do? Like, whether you've got money or whether you've got privilege or whatever, what's something just like? I mean, fundamentally, uh, to be talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> just look at people as a human. Um, don't don't judge them. Uh, don't come at them with any sort of hidden intentions or even if you're trying to help just fundamentally just approach people on a person to person basis yeah. ask them what they want ask them like how they're doing I think that's one thing anyone and everyone can do is just treat each yeah. other like actual you know, human people and that sounds probably corny to say but I think like, it just comes down to just being nice I think other than that I would I'm not going to advise people to either give money or to give money to, give money to homeless people give money to charities because I think there's there's, yeah. there's there's so many ways that you can unpack that and some people view each as better than the other and mm-hmm. whatnot um, but I'd say it's, if you yeah just talk to just talk to people really and what about if someone is on the cusp or feels like they're in trouble with their own housing or and is scared to talk about it or do you have any advice about what someone could do in that situation uh I'd suggest definitely getting in touch with Shelter. Yeah. Um, Shelter has an advice helpline, which runs, um, I don't think it's 24-7, but it, it runs for, like, ridiculous hours, like on Christmas Day and things. So as housing issues crop up, I'd, I'd just give them a call. It's a free helpline. Uh, yeah. I, I, sorry, just to flag, uh, the helpline does get extremely busy, so a lot of people yeah. won't get through on the first try, maybe not the second try. But I'd urge people, like, if you're experiencing an issue, to make that call. It's yeah. one thing I didn't do at the time. Well, I did, but I didn't get through 21, and I kind of took it as, mm. like, okay, I'm just not going to try. And that probably caused more harm than good in the long term because I think Shelter probably could have helped us out massively. In fact, definitely could have helped us out mm. at the time. So I'd imagine, um, yeah, if you're dealing with a housing issue or an issue which is, like I said, is not necessarily housing focused but it's related to housing or is causing an impact on your housing give shelter a call or, or seek out another charity which can help and I imagine as well it's not about like you don't have to have the like in, in 
imminent crisis I think what no. shelter is amazing is it's saying we're, we want to prevent yeah. so I feel like the, the thing that I didn't really get or didn't really understand is that actually a better way of tackling things would to be get in there when probably when you're at the height of your shame because when it's just on the cusp of happening that's probably when you're in a place where you're like fitting quite well into society and you're sure. you're really feeling like I cannot let this break mm. but I think that's probably when you really should just just be like actually I n- might need a bit of help and there's mm. no shame in saying that yeah there's absolutely no shame it's one thing I really wish we can tackle more as a culture is is I'm being I'm being very um uh, hypocritical because that's one thing I, I have an issue with is asking for help anyways but oh think, yeah but everywhere it's entrenched yeah, within it's, us it's, it's that's completely, the point. completely entrenched and, but I think as a culture it's also this is this is is a, is a helpline is a private course I think people should feel much more easier yeah. about kind of saying I need help um, can, or can you advise me um, but yeah like you said shelter has a much more preventative stance to yeah. like let's let's stop you becoming homeless or like let's let's fix this before it gets any worse worse than it is um, so yeah, I'd urge anyone with housing issues or how or budding housing issues or just even just seeking out advice. You could, it's a free helpline. Just yeah. use those services. It's amazing. I've literally learned so much talking to you, and this I've really been, enjoyed this, it. Yeah, this has been a really good conversation. Really good. Yeah. So, if people want to know more about you, where can we find you? Uh, or you don't want them to find you? I don't. <laughs> <mind>. <laughs> no, they can't find me. Um, um, I, you can find me on like uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as Kojo Stein, K O J O S T E I N. That's my writing writer's name. Nice. Um, on my podcast, Outliers X, uh, and poetry and I run Penting Poetry. Penting Poetry. Yeah, in Covent Garden. I really want to come along to that. It's so much fun. Oh, it's I love so, spoken so word poetry because that's what you do as well, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's yeah. so much fun, and we combine it with um, like one of one of our. Um, Co-host is a is a is an actor, so he does like a theor- theoretical oh, kind of end. When's your next event? We had one on Thursday just gone, but the next one will be on the third. It's always on the third Thursday of every month. Okay, so I think the next Thursday in August, the third Thursday is sixteenth of August. Okay, I think. cool. But if not, the third Thursday of every month, penting poetry on. Oh the yeah, platforms. that sounds fab. I want to come along. Yeah, well, thank you so much. This has been you. amazing. Yeah, thank you. It's been thank a lot you. Of fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're more than welcome. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.